Welcome to a Monday edition of the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian Fulford and AD Drew here. AD, how you doing, man? Brother is tired, man. Brother is tired, but we gonna push on and grind on. What's uh, what's 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 got you so tired, man? Come on, come on, talk uh, to the people. What's what's got uh, you so tired, Drew? As you got me on on, on camera by myself, bro. Give you that solo uh, love. See what's up. What you so tired from? <laughs> if if you notice the shirt that I have on today, uh, you see the logo I have, uh, Youth Sports Lions. Uh, for the last ten years, I've been working with the international basketball group from Belgium, mm-hmm. and 18U basketball group that comes to the states every year around the 4th of july they stay stateside for approximately two weeks and play basketball well guess who coordinates a lot of their basketball events and other events that they do stateside Hmm. oh you yeah okay yeah so uh, I spent all weekend on the road with them as they traveled uh, through the state of Georgia. Uh, today, I will actually be hosting them at uh, the university that I work at. So uh, once we finish this podcast, which can, can I go ahead and tell everybody the secret, Brian? No, no, don't tell the secret. Don't tell the secret. No, anyway, no. Uh, but we will we will be hosting them uh here at my university today so uh i and then let's see i have because i have to uh, host them today that means all the work that i would normally do on a monday i'll have to double up and get that done on tuesday in addition to to all by Tuesday work because Tuesday is just like meeting day around here. Everybody wants to meet on Tuesday for, for whatever reason. Of course, uh, yes, because nobody wants to. Who nobody nobody should have a meeting on Monday. Meetings should and, and be you, off limits on Monday. You know the old thing works with a Monday meeting, Brian. A Friday meeting. As a Friday meeting. <laughs> but, exactly. But I, do, but I do have a standing Friday meeting, Brian, at eight eight years. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, that guy we beat remotely, though. Yeah, I was gonna say, at least it's not three o'clock in the afternoon on Friday. That's the worst no. one. 
<laughs> no, we do read remotely, and if, I'm not gonna lie to you, Brian. Most of the people on that committee are at their house <laughs> for their exactly. meeting. They may wind up in the office on Friday, but at eight o'clock in the morning, most of the people are still at their house. The house. I right. I don't think anybody has logged in from their office because I know what everybody's office looks like. <laughs> Drink, drinking coffee, <laughs> half dressed, waist down. Yeah, exactly. exactly. No, no, camera off, bro. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Home. So that means they they in the, they in the uh, bathrobes, barely dressed. Uh, right. right. I, 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 I'm not gonna lie to you. There's been a couple of them where I've still been in the bed. I've got the phone in the bed. I've got my AirPods <laughs> in, and I'm laying and I'm laying there watching. Uh, when it was Jay Will, uh, Keyshawn and Vax, but we go we gonna let that one go. Uh, yeah. But getting back to my. my stretch that i'm in wednesday you know we've got siac media day and then i have to leave from siac media day and go to uh charlotte also uh, personal business on thursday and then come back to south georgia on friday and pick up the grind again so i'll be going probably until about sunday brian before i have a day to myself you know I should be enjoying my little bit of downtime, but I I crave to stay busy. I really do. I crave to stay busy. Um, so I mean, yes, the time spent catching up on. Uh, let's see, what have I done? I've caught up on. I'm, I'm getting caught up on season seven of Fear of the Walking Dead. I, I finished. I finished the main The Walking Dead. I finished that. Uh, earlier last month or maybe in May. And so I, they started a new series, so I got to catch up on that. Uh, I have, I'm catching up on, you know, I'm watching my my Marvel stuff, my Secret Invasions. Uh, also, if you have Amazon Prime, if you're a fan of Brian, Brian's story series, that's on Amazon Prime. Move your bike, bro. Move your bike close to your mouth. All right, Amazon Prime. I think that's your headphone. If you're not hearing my volume, I think that's your headphone. But whatever. No, it it, it had faded for a moment. Well, like I said, I, I'm just interested in uh, you know catching up on stuff, and that's kind of what I've been doing. The group on Netflix was a good little episode. I enjoyed watching. Um, let's see. Oh, watch. Yeah, you know, I'm just slowly catching up, man. But but anyway, I. I do enjoy being busy, uh, you know, but but I, I got to be generating something. I'm trying to find ways to generate revenue, generate, and and chasing money is the worst. Chasing money is yeah. the worst. Spending right, money right, right. falls in like right behind chasing money. It's like chasing money you're is chasing bad. money because you need to spend money. Right, spending money falls in right behind, and and so yeah, you know, it's, as I said, I, I yeah. mean. I made an attempt to go shopping the other day. We were on the phone. That, <laughs> that, 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 that we're not going to talk about the backstory of that. <laughs> that didn't go well, let's just say. So I don't know. I may try it again today. Who knows? But, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and I, and I want to thank you for uh, taking the Orlando portion of my USA to Belgium tour and helping <laughs> out with uh you know, with some activities down there in Belgium for for my guys. 
who are well, hitting, bro. They started at Atlanta. They hit. They yeah. back out of Miami. Yeah, we're we're trying. We're trying. So, all right. Thing, Brian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, last thing. I had uh, had to check my email the last week or so because you know uh, when you heard about a four-letter network starting to lay off people uh, mm-hmm. because salaries were getting too big and everything, I had to double-check and make sure that that was not our four-letter network that was affected by those layoffs. It was another four-letter network that was affected by those layoffs. But uh, seriously, no, we're actually we're those... actually hiring. Yeah, no, Drew, we're we're actually hiring. <laughs> <laughs> we are actually looking yeah. for content creators. Marketing people, advertisers, we're, we're looking for producers, writers. Yeah, no, no, no. We're we're actually hiring. Yeah, uh, applicant beware. We cannot pay those salaries that those uh, that that other four letter network was. Uh, no, that's paying. No, Just want to let you know no. up front. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, you want a platform. And, uh, you want a platform to put your stuff and grow, uh, grow with us. Hey, we we're 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 all right there and and you know one day yeah. to god will be the glory and and we're going to see brighter days but you yeah exactly yeah you got a chance yeah. to be a part of that if you come join us info at mybcsn.com if you're interested if you are a writer photographer videographer editor producer uh maybe you got a podcast a show that you want to formulate and put on the uh, Black College Sports Network podcast network. And hey, uh, it's a great opportunity to let us know and, and talk about it, right? Speaking of, new podcast be coming out this fall, right? Yeah, I think you got a little something to do with that, huh? Is what I, is what I heard through the tea leaves. New, new, new person coming to the to the network, new, new member joining the family. So uh, that person and I will be teaming up on the SIAC gridiron as we go inside the SIAC and cover football from the Black College Sports Network perspective. So now, if uh, so, with that show covering the SIAC, are you hoping to get a chance to talk to coaches on a regular, talk to players uh, on a, on a consistent basis, and not and, and now it's it's obviously SIAC gridiron. That's the name of the show, correct? So. It's yes. a primary SIC football show. Correct. All right. Okay. So, yeah, you know Correct. what? That, that's good. That's good. Yeah. That's and good. we may look to add one more person to that. You know, you've got uh, got one person. Is, the new person is more of a SIAC historian. Uh, you've got myself as the media person. The only thing that's missing is an former is 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 a player and or coach's perspective added to that uh to that formula so we're possibly looking to add one more person to that uh formula before we uh before we get it out okay well uh i definitely am looking forward to that you know i i think that'll bring some great content we're going to talk about the s siac here shortly but um before we get into that, just want to remind you folks watching, make sure you are logged in, 
with the Black College Sports Network via our uh, Facebook pages um, at MyBCSN1, Twitter, and Instagram, also with the same handle. You can follow the BCSN Sports Wrap page on Facebook. Uh, and uh, if you did, you knew that we weren't doing a live show yesterday, Sunday. So uh, you get a chance to get just some maybe tidbits, news, info from Drew and my perspective. A little bit different than the stuff on the network side. Things that things that we see, things that we want to comment on. Of course, we always encourage you to download the Jericho Broadcast Network's app on the Google Play and Apple App Store. Just search MyJBN, MyBCSN. And then we'd love for you to be a part of the BCSN pod zone. That's uh, everywhere you listen and download podcasts. Google Play, uh, well, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, all of those places. Just search BCSN Pod Zone. And when you go, make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're getting notifications. Make sure you rate and review it. That also helps the algorithms of what we're doing. So, um, Let's get into let's get into a few things, Drew. Uh, we're here for a good time, not a long time. So, first up, we got the HBCU Swingman Classic, which happened over the weekend on Friday at T-Mobile Park in Seattle, home of the Major League Baseball All Star Weekend, which is tomorrow, Tuesday. That's the actual All Star Game, uh, but the weekend of festivities started on. Friday with this uh, Major League Baseball All-Star Game. And of course, Ken Griffey Jr. was a major part of making this happen as he, along with Major League Baseball and uh, MLB uh, Youth Development Foundation, uh, excuse me, let me make sure I get that right. The MLB PA, Players Association, Youth Development Foundation, were able to bring this event together, which we hope is an inaugural thing. This is this would be great if this happens every season. And I think it was very cool that in the inaugural year, not only did you have uh, Ken Griffey, who I, I think drew what, what's great about Ken Griffey being involved, he has a son, Tevin, who plays football at Florida A&M. So, uh, Te- I mean, obviously, Ken Griffey, did not go to college uh, in any normal sense that you, I, or maybe a college baseball player would. Uh, so this being an opportunity to sort of live through his child and 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 really learn about HBCUs is is really kind of been uh, a great thing for us, you know, those of us in the HBCU diaspora, uh, because uh, much like Deion Sanders who entered into this space, uh, having a superstar of Ken Griffey's ilk, who, I mean, internationally touches all societies, has contacts in many places at, at many stops along his path. Um, it, it really, it really opens the door for HBCU baseball. And so the the 51, I think, or 50 or 51 Division I players from um, 
all across the, the SWAC, well, I guess we could say no longer MEAC, but the NEC, the CAA, those, the, the, any, any Division I HBCU baseball player, I think all of them were represented in some form of fashion in this game on Friday night. Um, so I, I think this was a, a very good thing that was put together here. What are your, what are some of your, your thoughts and takeaways just on this game and this event? Well, obviously you're right, Brian. Uh, Griffey did not have an opportunity to go to college as he was, I believe he was pro by the age of 19. He was actually in the league, uh, drafted right out of high school. I believe he was a first round draft pick, if I remember that uh, correctly. And also, uh, you speak, speaking of junior, don't forget senior was also a participant in this game. Ken Griffey Sr., as he was one of the coaches in right. the HBCU Swing Band Classic. And I don't believe Sr. Uh, had opportunity to go to college as he had a uh, early and very long uh, career. And, and if you remember, those two actually hit a home run in the same game at the end of Sr.'s career and the beginning of Jr.'s uh, career. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit off the subject, but on it, Brian. Did anyone in Major League Baseball have a sweeter swing than Ken Griffey hitting a home run, Brian? It was it was it was a very unique swing. I mean, it it was, and the fact that he was a a lefty, lefty. right? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think until Barry Lamar Bonds, because Bonds was a lefty too, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah, so it's just I don't know. It's always weird seeing. To me, it's always weird seeing left-handed home run hitters. I, I don't know, but because it just looks, it looks so effortless for Griffin. It does. It's it, it, it's it, it's like it's like a left-handed uh, three-point shooter. It, it, the shot just looks so sweet. It's it looks awkward, but it's sweet. Yeah. Agreed. So, you know, don't, I don't think anyone had a better swing, uh, especially on a home run than Griffey. But anyway, Brian, I unfortunately did not get an opportunity to uh, watch the game because I had to be up early Saturday morning. You know, that was one of those things that you tried to warn everybody about was that late start time. It was a, it was a 1030 Eastern start, right? 730 yeah. Pacific time, but 1030 Eastern. Right. But I did happen to, uh, to record it. So at some point in time this week, I will go back and watch it. And not necessarily for the game itself, but the different stories that you hear the play-by-play -play and color commentator and the interviews that you hear throughout the game are about as priceless as the action is itself as we take a look at the, at the highlights. But, yeah, I hope this is something that goes on for – a a very long time with this uh swing band classic nice throw right there yeah this is my Man. first time seeing these highlights brian so excuse me if i keep going and from what i was able to see from the couple of highlights that i've seen pretty nice crowd there in seattle especially when you consider there's not an hbcu within 2000 <laughs> almost 2000, 1900 miles to be exact Langston right. would be the closest HBCU, and that's 1,900 miles away. And the closest HBCU that had possible representation here was 
2,300 miles away. And you can split the difference between uh, UAPB and the Houston schools, uh, that being you could uh, just you could have stopped you could have stopped you and there's, there's no Drew, you could have just stopped and said there's no HBCUs west of Mountain Pacific Time. And just stop right there. there I mean HBCUs don't go into mountain and Pacific time zones. <laughs> no, nothing west of the Rockies. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, but considering that, it's just amazing that look look at look at this. I mean, that's we were at the well, you weren't at the game in Atlanta. I was at the game in Atlanta last year, which was obviously not an MLB event, but it was an all-star event of this level. And this looks like more people there in Seattle than we had in Atlanta. We know Atlanta is the hotbed and becca of uh, HBCU alumni. Right. Um. I I I tell you I I did think the crowds were great, great crowd as you can see, and it it further underscores this thought that I continue to have that uh, growing the HBCU brand has to start reaching into these mountain and Pacific time zones. We have to start doing more events on the west coast in the pacific time in the in the mountain time zone of course where uh obviously where there's us but we have to take the best of us now i know this is a baseball event so this worked in seattle this is a baseball event but i i think it brings a larger point that i've been on about taking the football brand out west. So I, I don't want to go down. I don't want to start talking about that because I, I want to keep our focus here on the Swingman Classic. But it, it was good seeing the show and the investment and time put in by Major League Baseball. Now, I don't know where next year's um where next year's MLB All-Star weekend is. Uh but I would hope that you know, that this can continue for because some of the names here are real important names that really help make this thing happen. Um, it's Dallas. It's a Dallas, Brian. Oh man. So, so Texas Rangers. Oh, so that, that's going to be, that's going to be insane. That's going to be even bigger. If you thought Seattle had a good crowd, oh, the, the crowd should be insane in Dallas at the Rangers ballpark. Uh, be, because we know you're in a hub right there. You're in SWAT country, of first alumni. off. Yes, there and there's a hub of HBCU alums right there in that area. So that event should really draw well. And, but, but it, and you've got another hub uh, a few hours away in Houston. Yes, exactly, exactly. That, that, um, you got to be willing to make that travel. Yeah, it was good to see uh, Hall of Famers like Andre Dawson of uh, Florida A&M you also had Vince Coleman, another Florida AM guy. Who uh, Dawson threw out player. the first pitch to, to Coleman. Vince, to Vince Coleman. Yeah, exactly. Marquise Grissom was there. Another rattler. Um, so I mean somebody's got some somebody's got some connections to FAMU baseball and FAMU ties. 
hint, hint, Ken Griffey's son goes to where? BMU. Uh, but, but you know, it, it is what it is. It is what it is. Um, Roger Kador was it there. You got five rattlers in the game, too. Uh, yes, it does help when you have five rattlers in the game. Uh, what was the young man from Southern Weeks? Uh, Ricky, was it Ricky, Ricky Weeks? Weeks? Ricky Weeks Ricky was Weeks. there, of course, Southern Southern alum, and uh, one of maybe one of the 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 legends, or maybe one of the greatest Southern baseball players. That's saying a lot. It's a lot of tradition there, so I don't want to speak too far out there. It can't be higher than number two, Brian. Ricky Weeks, right? Can never exactly. be higher than number two. If, with if he's not Luke one, he's being double one. Ah, no, there you go. Thank you. One. Okay, thank you, thank you. I, when you said Lou Brock, I said, yeah, he's one. He's definitely one. And then, yeah, Weeks would definitely be two. Uh, now, somebody want to debate us on that? Uh, please share. But just from nine thirty nine, that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. So, well, uh, some of the some of the highlights, and I'm just reading a little article here from the Seattle Times. The, uh, of course, a, a FAMU in. Uh, Ty Jackson, uh, I believe, had the first hit, first stolen base, and scored the first run. So that's a little bit of history there for Ty Jackson, who I maintain should have been the SWAC hitter of the year. Anyway, uh, moving forward, uh, <laughs> a couple of notes here that I'm reading. Alabama State's Randy Flores hit a 100-mile-per-hour double with one out in the eighth inning, stole second, and scored the go-ahead run with the head-first dive on the wild pitch that you saw. A game that was a pretty much a three-nothing lead that ended up getting tied up at three, and then uh, that wild pitch ended up uh, taking the lead to four. Texas Southern's Alexander Olivo drove in. Southern's Jalen Armstrong with a sack fly that tied the score up for the National League, and, and that's how they divided the teams up, an American League and National League team. That was in the eighth inning. American League starter Xavier Meacham of North Carolina A&T threw two scoreless innings. Dalen Adderley of Texas Southern, who I believe Adderley was the SWAC hitter of the year, drove in two runs to help the AL build a 3-0 lead. So, you know, there you go. Adderley, of course, doing what he does. And that's why he had one of the top averages in uh, in during the season and, and why he earned that record. And he he uh, he he came through on the big stage. And so props to all of those guys who, who played. Now, the question, Drew, moving forward from the Swingman Classic is, you know, how many guys will get an opportunity to be drafted? And the Major League Baseball draft has like something like how many rounds? How many rounds are in the? I know they've cut the number of rounds, uh, which was held on yesterday, if I believe. Started yesterday, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, as I'm doing a quick little Google search here, uh, it goes Sunday through Tuesday. There are 20 rounds. 20 rounds, which is a scaled back. You see, you're right. It has scaled back some to which more than 600 amateur players will be picked. So, you know, is, is there a, is there a likelihood that an HBCU guy gets drafted? 
Yeah, hell, you would like to think though, right? With with twenty with twenty rounds. Hell, you definitely would like to think so. Yeah. Um, six hundred six hundred players. We got to get at least one. You, you would hope. You would hope, right? Um, I noticed that the uh, two kids from LSU who led them to a national championship went one and two. I did notice that. But, but Brian, let's keep something in mind for everybody. Those players who we saw play on Friday will not be drafted in this draft because these were non-draft eligible players who played in the game on Friday. The earliest that these kids would be drafted would be the 24 draft. I don't think that's uh, – I mean, I, where did you hear that? <laughs> I, uh, uh, it was one of the things that came out. These were uh, non-draft eligible players that were participating in, in this game this year. Why is that? Because there are some guys that I'm just speaking from Florida A&M. I know they got a couple guys who don't have any more eligibility. Why is that? And Well, maybe, maybe I got that. No, I'm sorry. That's the other group of uh, of uh, all-stars that are non-draft eligible. That's the group that's playing in Carolina. I'm sorry. This group is Where, draft who, eligible. Who's playing in Carolina? The, the, the USA team. Those are non-draft eligible guys. Those uh, HBCU players that we have on that group. You, oh, the three or four guys that. Okay, yeah. Okay, right. thank you for clarifying. Yeah, because yeah, I thought I'm this. I'll be, I'll, be, okay. I'll be correct. And this, and this, and yeah. this game was not. Uh, so let's clarify something. Let's let's kind of clarify. The HBC, the guys participating in the Swingman Classic, it's actually a mix of players who have no more eligibility that should be draft eligible, along with guys who have eligibility. I mean, for example, Florida A&M has three guys who will be returning. Uh, there's other players. It's the, it's the best of the best minus the four guys we have on that USA team. Yes, exactly. At the Division exactly. One level. Exactly. And, and that's the other thing. This is all at the Division One level. There are Division Two and NAIA players who are not represented in this classic who are just as good, if not better, than some of the kids who play in the swing swingman classic. And that's no disrespect to the fifty some odd guys who were in the swingman classic. But we do have another two levels of uh, and players let me ask out you. there plus JUCOs. So so I'll 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 ask this to you then. Do you like this format that only focuses on division one? Or do you think they should consider some of the better players or the best of the best from the division two level well that's that's kind of one thing that i'd like with uh our group uh uh mvp minority baseball prospects puts together their all-star game which was held in Gwinnett uh a couple of weeks ago i believe that was the first week in june when their all-star game was here does pick the from all levels of baseball, NAIA, Division Division One, and Division Two. I uh, don't know if they had any um, junior college players, but I do know we, there are some. H, there are HBCU junior colleges, y'all. For those who do not know, there are ten of them that participate in athletics. Don't ask me how many of them actually play baseball, though, Brian. But uh, they do have that. <laughs> I know they. I know there are some out there, some HBCUs who uh, uh, 
you know, you've got Denmark, you've got about three or four of them in Alabama, Gadsden State, uh, and then you've got some in Mississippi. Those are like the three main areas where you have HBCU junior colleges that participate in athletics. But, yeah, that's why I like Alex. Uh, uh, I got Alex's and, and Reggie's format because they actually pick a true all-star, the best of the best. Some of these players participated in the MVP uh, game last month. Some of these players, and we'll just say it, were not good enough when you added those Division II and NAIA players into that game. But yeah, I, I would like to see, if not together, maybe a separate event for the D2 and NAIA group of uh, guys. And, and for anybody who's not familiar, MBP that Drew's talking about is Minority Baseball Prospects. You can find them at minoritybaseball.com. And so, um, you know, you can you can go to their site. And, and they recently started a softball. And, and, and their uh, support as well. Yeah, and they're uh, supported by MLB also, so exactly exactly so and I, just my personal opinion i think well mvp started their baseball all-star game three years ago i think that might have been where the idea for this game possibly came from and they were the pilot for this classic here just my yes. personal opinion yeah and and they, you know those guys were in attendance i've seen the video actually um got to give a shout out to uh I know oh, I was there uh, well, I saw Alex there too. I saw the vlog by on HBCU Game Day. Uh, the young lady. Oh man, hold on. Let me. Was it? Uh, I don't want to mess it up because she did such a great job with her video vlog. I want to make sure I give her her name props. Um, she does a lot of. She does some of the um, uh, Simone. Simone. Um, uh, Simone Stanley. It took me a second to think. She does a great video vlog from the actual game. So want to give her a shout out. And, you know, because, you know, I, I think as you explore this event, you really got to soak it up. I, and I and I and I think, look, I love the event that Alex and, and, and Reggie and MVP does. And it kind of fits for right at the end of the season. It's kind of a great perfect timing thing what's nice Harvey about it, yes it what's and and they they treat those guys well those, those guys have a great first class experience and so i think there's room for both i don't i don't want to get into either or you you should have this and you can't have that i think what this event specifically does it kicks off the all-star weekend and i think it's a great it gives those guys an opportunity to be really immersed because I've seen social media pictures of those guys being involved in the stuff that Major League Baseball did the next day on Saturday. So, I, I, look, we, we want to be in as many places and spaces as possible. So, uh, don't I don't I don't want to hear anybody say, oh, well, you know, they shouldn't have two of them. No, hell, we, we need two of them. <laughs> we need two of them. And like you said, if there's a softball opportunity, which MVP does, they put together the softball 
tournament. Then they also have the the baseball event. And I think they did it all in the same weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and, and they like have high school events. Exactly, exactly. That's a yeah. year-round event and activity. And, and one other secret uh, can I tell you about MVP, Brian? You know, some of these kids are playing summer ball in the MVP leagues uh, that they have because they have a summer league for these collegiate players. So some of these people who participated in this all-star event are playing in that MVP league right now. Great, great. Um, so good publicity. You can do a search, you know, HBCU Swingman Classic. Um, there's, let's see, I was I was trying to see if there was a box score. You know, I'm, I'm kind of one of those box score geeks. So I, I haven't seen anything like that. But I'm sure if somebody did a deep dive, <laughs> it's out there somewhere. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. You know, they who knows? So anyway, uh, any let's let's close this segment. Any final thoughts there on HBCU baseball before we take a short break and and come back on the other side, Drew? No, I think that about sums it up. Just how happy to see it was a successful event. Shout out to MLB Network for providing uh, coverage of yeah. this event as if it was a it was appropriate coverage. They didn't cover it like it was a major league baseball game, but they did not poo-poo it either. They did a good mix of covering the actual game on the field while adding in the various storylines and interviews that you need in an all-star game to keep the fans engaged. Well said, Drew. Well said. So with that, let's take a short break, come back, and get into some more headlines from the past week and weekend. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD, we'll be back in just a moment. If you think all pads are exactly the same, think again. This is Always Ultra Thins reinvented with the Always Triple Protection System. This pad wicks gushes 90% faster, absorbs even more so you can feel dry, and locks odors in. Rethink your pad for up to 100% leak-free and odor-free comfort with the totally reinvented Always Ultra Thins. This is always like never before. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay, call Cuvée.
you're looking for the latest information on Southern University sports, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, and HBCU athletics, there's only one place to go. Tune in to the Carlos Brown Show, exclusively on the Black College Sports Network. T. Madden & Associates is a sophisticated and experienced law firm located in your neighborhood. We're turning injury to cash. T. Madden & Associates obtained almost $2 million for my injury. They turn my injury to cash. Now, we can't guarantee how much your injury is worth, but we've recovered millions for our clients. Call T. Madden & Associates at 833-PAID-123. That's 833-PAID-123. Stride K-12 powered schools are ready to put over 20 years of being a leader in online education to work for you. Dive into curriculum design for the online classroom. Team up with state certified teachers nice. trained in virtual instruction. Take control of your child's education journey. Discover the power of personalized learning with a leader experienced in preparing kids for a future they can be excited about. Take charge. Stride K-12. Enroll now for the fall. Hey, welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here. Uh, All right. Anyway, I'll talk about this. Did uh, I miss something? Not that you missed something, but I'm reading an article in the Tallahassee Democrat regarding surrounding what we're talking about. And I love the fact that practically every – God, dog. Yeah, I definitely did, man. I tell you, this is amazing. Look, okay, let's get into some of the topics going on here. And we're going to start with um, talking about women's basketball coaching moves. Okay, some, 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 some departures and some additions. Let's start with the most talked about departure. Uh, and that's Florida A&M's Shalon Pillow, who announced her resignation uh, late last week. I think it was a Thursday. And, you know, Pillow, who had been at Florida A&M for the last three years, but only coached the last two seasons, um, came to Florida A&M after being an assistant coach at the Division One level for 15 years, uh, she had played Division One basketball under Pat Summit at the University of Tennessee. <clears throat> so uh, she was hired previously uh, by the previous athletic dire- full-time athletic director at Florida A&M. But uh, let's just say the two seasons that she has actually coached in the SWAC have not been highly successful. Uh, they were she was she had an overall record of I think uh, nine and forty something, uh, went four and fourteen in the SWAC in both seasons, and the one non-conference SWAC game that was won was against Georgia State this past season. Uh, she did have one of the top scores in the SWAC 
and Dylan Horton. But despite having Horton, uh, her tenure was plagued with um, bad losses, shortened rosters due to injuries, and uh, it, it ended kind of at a point where she was faced with two departing assistant coaches having to rebuild a roster and uh, maybe it all just got to her and, and she, uh, she resigned her last day is August 1st. And to my knowledge, my sources have told me that uh, she already has a new job uh, at, as an athletic director and a head coach at a high school in Boca Raton, Florida. So, uh, which is one of the wealthier areas in the state of Florida. So um, that that's there. Drew, what's the challenge that you see for any coach that's going to come in at Florida A&M and, and try to put that program back to where it used to be in the 90s when you and I were at, fam? Yeah. <laughs> uh going to take a total rebuild of the culture at Florida A&M because let's be real Brian it wasn't good before Pillow got there so it's not like she was doing good I mean the program was good and she ran it into the ground the program has not been good for years at Florida A&M so uh, let's just keep that Let's keep that in mind. Uh, now, and I'm going back and I'm trying to search and see when uh, when was the last time that Fab you had a a winning record. And I'm going back, previous coach uh, had a had a had a couple of win or some 500 seasons or very close I'm to 500 in, seasons. I'm trying to find one. To, I mean, I, I can go, back, go back, to back to like 16, 16 last time. 16 is the last time Fabian won double digits where they went 12 and 18. Last winning record was 15 16 when they went 15 and 14. And right. Brian, you, you talk about you talk about those uh nine wins that she had overall. Mm-hmm. Brian, let's keep in mind. Couple of those were uh, over Division Two opponents during her tenure. Well, you know what, Drew? Those aren't even counted because I'm going to be perfectly honest. She was four and fourteen in the SWAC. If I'm reading the numbers right, that's right. Division um, Twos are not counted in uh, in basketball. Yeah, yeah. So, now, now she beat it. Yeah. She beat her team. Beat a very good Tuskegee team this past year. But again, that should being not have beaten. Should not have beaten that Tuskegee team. <laughs> uh, and, and, and I'm not saying that because I'm a Tuskegee alum. Uh, you know, that you were there. You were there for that Tuskegee. game, weren't you? That game was that game was Tuskegee's to win, and Tuskegee gave it away at the last moment. And I believe that game went to overtime. If memory serves me correct, it right? did go to overtime. Yeah. Yep. Yes, Tuskegee had an opportunity to win that game in regulation, and fam, you just outlasted them in overtime. But uh, it's not on. It's going to take an investment, and, and it's going to take an investment from the administration 
into the women the women's basketball program. First of all, uh, I understand some of the challenges that the men's and the women's basketball program have at Tuskegee. I do not understand the you mean why. Florida A&M. You mean Florida A&M. I'm in Florida A&M. I'm sorry, at Florida gotcha. A&M. And I, and I go back to my time at Tuskegee to kind of put that put these things together. Florida right. A&M basketball practices in the Lawson Center, which is an educational building. So they do not have 100% access, full access to the building between the two programs. So the getting shots up late at night between classes, early morning, blah, 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 because you do not, because that is not your facility. Even though you play and practice in that facility, that is not your facility. You really have no control over that facility. You get scheduled like everything else. Uh, PE classes, concerts, uh, uh, convocations, whatever. You seem to come secondary in that facility. So I understand that challenge had that had a very similar challenge during my coaching days at Tuskegee with the James Center, where we had to deal with all of that stuff. Plus, the building was actually an ROTC building that just happened to have a gym in it. So ROTC could kick everybody out, and, it, and there was nothing that anybody owed the uh, university could do because technically it was a government-funded building, but and I mean federal government because it was an ROTC building. So I understand those challenges, and, and at that time there was not a secondary uh, facility. There were many days that we had to go to a high school gym where there were other events going on, such as homecoming. Homecoming week, we automatically knew we were going to be at high school for at somebody's high school for a whole week. And you would try, hopefully homecoming worked out where you could schedule road games so that you would lessen the impact of uh, playing. But you don't want to schedule road games actually doing homecoming weekend because now you take your student athletes away from the homecoming experience that they deserve as students right not, not right. student athletes let me ask but fam you well, hold on i gotta say but fam you you have the lawson center which for some reason you don't use as a secondary athletic facility it, it is a perfect athletic training building a perfect practice facility for the back for the two basketball programs and the volleyball program and or got of course we can know we got to share with with volleyball fam you you have the old drs which was next to the school of business where you not, and i not went, for long right not for long huh not for not long for but you you have had that which had a very serviceable gym within that for some reason, you did not take advantage of it and renovate that gym into a practice facility. Even though 
it's you know it's not next to the Lawson Center, but the old DRS was still close enough where you could have made that building into a basketball and possibly a volleyball practice facility. Gaither Gym still exists. I said Gaither. Oh, okay. Well, I bet you Gaither. Oh, you said the old DRS. Okay, sorry. Yeah, I bet you Gaither first. Then you got the old DRS. And then you've got FAMU High. Now, I understand sharing stuff with the high school, but if you have to go to a high school, hell, the high school is on campus, right? It is a part of the FAMU campus. So, you know, being able to coordinate with with the high school there on campus to have uh, practice or or workouts should also be something that should be considered. Let me ask you this. Yes. Let me ask you this. Because I, I think the biggest thing, biggest challenge is scheduling. How difficult it, it how difficult is it really to schedule with a multi-use facility? I mean, is it really as is it really that hard, or is it somebody uh has to be more open to the idea that multiple entities need this? Wh- which it one is, is it? It is very difficult, Brian. Why is it you, difficult? Okay, why? Okay, let's take the months. Uh, let's take the months of October and November, which is probably the most critical time for a basketball program, because your practices, you know, that's when you're going through your uh, preseason practices. Who's in season at that point in time, Brian? Uh, you're still finishing up fall sports at the end of fall sports. So vo- volleyball has priority during that time. Right. Volleyball games, volleyball practice, because they're in season. Men's basketball, women's basketball come secondary. Sure. The time the time that you that you may have slotted for your for the gym may not coincide with your student athletes academic schedule. Okay. So you may have student athletes who because of academic reasons, have to miss practices on certain days. And you have to figure out how to allow them to make up those workouts because you cannot penalize them, especially your upper classmen who are into their major classes. You know, freshmen, sophomores, there are multiple offerings of the same class. It's up to you to and your advisor to schedule a time that does not conflict with practice. When you become a junior, senior, and there's only one class, one class time for a 300 or 400 level class, and that class time just happens to be when you've got practice every day, you know that 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 becomes that becomes challenging. So that now that that puts you at try, having to practice at five six o'clock every morning. But both teams can't go at five o'clock in the morning, right? So you get one team have possibly practice at five o'clock in the morning and another team may not be able to get the gym to eight, nine o'clock at night with that. Then you have volleyball game, which, which will, if, if you're, if you've got an evening practice time on two, on, on a say a Tuesday, but there's a game on Tuesday, guess who just got bumped on practice? Because of that uh, game, because that okay. game, game takes priority. Right. Then you've got just classes, period. 
you've got certain classes in there now and, and if that if the if the administration has the opportunity to rent that for rent that facility out for community service reasons uh other uh, academic offerings on campus you, there may be a uh a job fair or recruiting fair or something else that's going on some type of seminar where they need that space once again you get you you get both and don't forget during that time somewhere in there there's going to be a week where you cannot use that facility because of various homecoming activities step shows convocations uh concerts etc 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 you might as well go ahead and chalk that week up to the game Okay. It becomes very difficult. To Which make. all of you this not make so, everybody happy. So hearing all this, this underscores why you see programs that have the financial resources creating have practice facilities have, have have basketball practice facilities, even if it's a building that's sort of split. Like for example, I've seen the one at the University of Florida that is a building that has one half dedicated where the men and the, the men have their own court and facilities and on the other side of the building the women have their own you know stuff and I, i've seen it at ucf uh central florida here in orlando so and that's why you have that so you know i ideally man it'd be one of these days you know in a perfect world i guess fam you will hopefully you know, have that have that opportunity to create a uh, an open facility. Um, real quick, so we can close and move over to some other women's basketball notes. What does the what do you think the in terms of the hiring? When you look at the FAMU program, one of the things that that we talked about, Kelvin and I talked about last week when we did our reaction show. Very good podcast on Friday. Appreciate it. Uh, what type of program? is Florida A&M, and what type of coach? Um, I maintain that it's a mid-major with a growth opportunity, but it's going to be hard to pull somebody from an assistant coaching perspective at a Power 5 level like Coach Pillow did uh, because at the end of the day, FAMU may be their first job and might be their stepping stone job onto other things. So when you look at the position, what re- realistically, what is Florida A&M women's basketball and what does the ideal candidate look like in your opinion? Florida A&M is a project uh, athletic director, Tiffany Dong Sykes, vice president of athletics is going to have to have patience so all the all everybody at twitterverse is going to have to have patience brian honestly even with the transfer portal this is not a program that i can see being turned around in two to three years Hmm. this is the old school four to five year project Hmm. wow because for the culture is not there for basketball. Florida A&M is a football school. The people they they want to go to the basketball game, but they don't want to support 
basketball. I've been to basketball games in Florida a and You know, it's not a pretty sight, especially <laughs> in a 10,000-seat arena, Brian. If those games were still being played at Gaither, like they were when you and I were in school, it would be more, I'd be able to grin it better. But 500 people in a 10,000-seat arena is a joke. It's a total joke. You know, some of those early non-conference matchups that are just women only should be played. It should be played against. And that's no disrespect to the ladies, but just for aesthetic purposes. Now, you asked about the ideal candidate. To be, okay, Brian, the ideal candidate or the ideal candidate that you're going to get with the job opening up in mid July and then having to begin having to figure this out by August. What kind of candidate am I? I I'd rather take the realistic approach. What kind of candidate am I going to get? Not what I want. I want a Lexus, Brian. But I'm going to get this fool. Yeah, but there are a lot of nice. There are a lot of there are a lot of nice cars that drive like Lexuses. Yes. Yes. Okay. Exactly. So I need to get the I need to get the most bang for my buck. Or in this case, you need to get the most bang for whatever you can get at this time of the year. A, you got a couple of candidates. Well, number one, you've got the candidate who let's be real, Brian. They've been let go by another university and they're jobless right now. Okay. You've got that group out there that you're going to be able to get quick because they're just looking for a job. The job is looking to get back in the game. Yeah, a retread. That's the best way to put it. You've got your classic retread. Okay. You see it in the NFL and the NBA all the time. Mm-hmm. You've got a retread coach. But, Brian, there's a reason they're a retread. Mm. So, if we're going to take a retread candidate, we're going to have to figure out how to surround them with the best possible staff around. And that's the other thing. Even if you get a good coach right now, you still got to find two assistants about two weeks later, Brian. At least two, right. Double, double one. Whoever this is, you've got to allow them to come in and hire their assistants. Don't. Yeah, because don't, there, there are no assistants. Don't hire on staff. a coach. Don't there are no assistants on staff right now. Yeah. None. Don't hire a coach and then say, I've already hired your assistant and the next assistant. You're setting them up for failure. Even though those assistants may be good, that person's going to have to have total control giving everything that's going on right now. Uh, next thing you've got, you're not going to get a Power 5 coach. You're probably not at this point in time even going to get a bit major or a low major assistant you're not going to get anybody with a head coaching job right now everybody not on the division one though what you may find is an NAIA or d2 coach okay uh who may want to take it of course, at least that institution <laughs> in, 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 in a bind. Yes. But realistically, yeah. you're probably going to get a D2 or 
NAIA assistant who has NCAA experience. An assistant. Right wow. Okay. An assistant. I don't think I don't think anybody who's a current head coach would take this job under these circumstances unless they take it for the bag, Brian. We know we it's been reported pillow made hundred K. Now right. you're not gonna get hundred K in anybody's D2. <laughs> I, I, you're not gonna get hundred K at anybody's NAIA. So yeah, you're taking it for the bag at, 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 at that point if you're a current head coach at a D2. So, but realistically, you're probably going to get an assistant at a D2, NAIA, possibly a low major, but you want that assistant to have had head coaching experience. You cannot, at the collegiate level, you cannot afford to have another first-time head coach walking into this situation who's trying to figure it out. You've got to have somebody who has head coaching experience, may not have had the best situation in the previous head coaching experience, but has gotten under somebody else's tutelage and has learned some different things that they can bring into their next head coaching job. Does head coaching... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Lastly, you could possibly look at the high school ranks. Which is where I was going to go. But that high school coach, once again, needs to have come from this level at some point in time in their career. What if they played at this level? What if they played Division One and then were a high school coach for the last several years? And, and I don't and I know who you're talking about. Uh well there's a couple of candidates that fall under that. Yeah, there's a couple of people. I know I know one of them, and one of them is uh is on the hill in a in a different capacity. But the without that head coaching experience at the collegiate level, because it is a different game, especially with NIL and the transfer portal, if you give it to a person like that that person in the interview is going to have to be able to prove to me that they can go and get that double one assistant who has that collegiate experience to make up the difference for the experience that they don't have at this point in time. Coach, let me me tell you something from an administrative point, Brian. Being a head coach at the college level, NAIA, D2, NCAA, it's not about X's and O's, Brian. Hell, you and I are good candidates because we know the X's and O's of the game. It's about all the other stuff. Can you manage your people? Can you get people in? Can you go? Can you recruit? Can you deal with the fundraising, Brian? Can you deal with the community portion of one of the knocks on Coach Pillar was she was not in the community enough? Mm-hmm. You know, can, can you deal with those type things? You know, can, can you, do you have that personality when you go to these live events where people gravitate to you and want to come to your university? We know the university speaks for itself, but the program does not speak for the university right now, Brian. All right. Uh, well, hey, um, 
good thoughts. Uh, you guys, uh, any, I'm sure if you're interested in more thoughts about that position, make sure to tune in to Wednesday nights, the ONG Strike Zone, where myself, Kelvin Rozier, Marcus Green, get into the woods uh, about all things FAMU athletics, related to FAMU athletics. Um, I sent you a link to a very interesting article in the Tallahassee Democrat, uh, our good friend, uh, Gerald Thomas, highlighting many of the names that uh, we talked about on Friday's podcast. So any of you looking for... Was Gerald listening or was this Gerald's listening? Oh, oh he, no, no. He was, he was definitely listening. He was definitely listening. listening. And that's great. That's great. We put out that. And that was the whole purpose of that show is to put candidates out there. And so it's good to see that the newspaper picked up on it. And so now it's now in print as well. But you can go back and listen to that show on the BCSN pod zone. Everywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio as well. A couple other women's basketball notes across the wire. This from HBCU Sports. Uh, Kentucky State is looking for a new head coach. As uh, just last week, their head women's basketball coach, Terrence Slater, stepped down from his post to become a coach at a Division I school. Uh, Slater had been at Kentucky State since 2014 uh, as an assistant um, under uh, Serena King Coleman. And he is now headed to Western Michigan University as an associate head coach. Uh, during the time that Slater was the head coach for seven seasons at Kentucky State, he had a 61 to 71 and 79 record overall win-loss record. Now, what's kind of interesting, Drew, he'd been there for seven seasons back in 2018, which five seasons ago, five years ago, he was placed on an administrative leave after he was accused of injuring a player during a team practice drill. Um, so it's kind of kind of good for Coach Slater, or I guess it, it – it, you know, he, he recovered from that and went on to have uh, some more seasons under his belt. Usually, if I'm doing the math here, that would have occurred probably two or three years into his tenure. So, you know, it's – it's uh, you don't sometimes recover from that, do you, Drew? When you get, when you get accused of injuring a player and you get placed on administrative leave – it's uh, it's rare that you recover from that, but he did. And so um, he, after his time there, he will be uh, joining the Western Michigan staff from uh, Kentucky State. So uh, I thought I'd thought I'd mention that. And then uh, one other news nugget regarding women's basketball, and that is Florida Memorial has named an interim women's basketball coach. Now, now I, I will say this. I, I'm hoping this is not what Florida A&M does. So, uh, but anyway, Florida A&M, or excuse me, Florida Memorial announced Thursday that Rod Woods will be the interim coach, head women's basketball coach at Florida Memorial. 
Uh, he has 21 over 21 years of experience coaching women's basketball at various levels, including junior college and NCAA Division One. Uh, so uh, he most recently served as the head coach at Barry University in Miami Shores, uh, where he had a 14 and 15 record and led that team to a Sunshine State Conference tournament. So that's Division Two. Of course, uh, Florida Memorial is an NAIA school. Um, uh, what, what interim coach, Drew? Um, why interim and not the full time? I know we we're we're kind of we're going to step in the in the shoes of athletic director Jason Horn here down there. But but uh, what do you think? What, in your knowledge and your background, why interim and not the full-time job? Is it contracts, financial? What might it be? Uh, I'm just curious about usually interim is somebody from internal. Correct. Now, was she internal? Rod, he? No. The, Rod Woods. The, say it again. No, Rod, Rod Woods, he, he, he was not. And remember, Coach he. Stanbeck left, left Florida Memorial. Right, which is going to my point. Usually a interim is an internal candidate, is an internal person. Right. Who you, who you got, you don't have enough time to bring in somebody uh, to – to run the program because you don't have enough time to go through the hiring process, so you give it to anybody. I've never seen an interim come from the outside, Brian. Uh, I've seen that before. Uh, well, let me see. Hold on. I'm, I'm trying to think. I, I mean, Where think you, about you, that. You might be right. You might be right. Yeah, you, you, you're you on to something. I don't think I've seen an interim external candidate. Um, now, maybe it's an administrative thing because maybe because uh, let's uh, stand back was there for how many years, Brian? Ooh, I want to say seventeen years, maybe. Okay, maybe they still got stand back on the books and paying him out because of those seventeen years. So maybe you cannot name a full time head coach for a. HR and technical point until you finish paying him out. Ah, okay. That would be the only reason why I would see that the interim tag would be added at this point in time, Brian. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, that's uh, I, I'll give you that. That's uh, I'll give you. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. That's a good one. Other That's than that, one. like I say, you don't see somebody from the outside being coming in and accepting a job as an interim. Okay. Um, I will transition from women's basketball. One quick note, and I saw this one here. I thought this was kind of interesting here as uh, this is a volleyball related, and it's Delaware State University uh, the defending MEAC volleyball champions. Oh. Brian, before you go to that, can I throw this in right quick? Just sure. quickly. Add Greg Stadback to your list. Remember that I said that, just, that out of work, just retired coach? 
Add that to mm. your fan view list. Okay, that's a good one. That's a good one. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Just thought about that when we mentioned we mentioned I, this interim at Florida Memorial. I, I've got a contact with somebody. Well, obviously we've got a contact with. I can. I, I got to reach out to Coach Standback and say, Coach Standback, would you be interested if you put your I, name I, in? I, the, I, in the it's hat. Just, it's just me, Brad. Like, yeah, just retired. And I don't think he's. So he would be. Done, I don't think he's done. That. I don't think he's done. Done with coaching. I think. And, and he's not that old as far as retired. I think he no. just had to. Just nope. you know, got too many had. Too many years at that one place. It was time to move on. I think he had made and his he, mark you know, at Florida before. And know, he's a winner. He is a winner. Definitely a winner. That's what I was going to say. You talk about somebody who's a winner. That's what I know my, my guy, Kelvin Rozier, talked about that. Is he wanted a winner? Gregory Stanback is a winner. Recruited good players and is a winner. So, hmm. Okay. He's got. I like that. You got me excited about the position. Now, now that's that's somebody who should be at the top of the list if he's interested. I, I I can't argue against that. I can't argue against that. Not at all. Okay. Okay. You got me excited. I gotta. I gotta. I gotta put. I gotta. I gotta draft a new candidate list. I'm just putting names out there because when we do the show Wednesday, we gotta add on to the list of names because I don't. I want all of these people to be Make sure considered. you give me credit on that one. No, I will give you credit. I will totally give you credit for that one. Give me credit. Okay, let me get to the Delaware State story, <laughs> and then we'll take a short break here. Delaware State University, which won the MEAC Volleyball Championship for the first time in 37 seasons, will go into 2023 with a new head coach. Just uh, this story from HBCUsports.com. David Brooks, who led Elizabeth City State to the CIAA Championship, and its first NCAA Division II tournament appearance in 13 seasons last fall, will now be the head coach at Delaware State. That was announced uh, last Monday. And Brooks will replace Bruce Atkinson, who led Delaware State to their title. Uh, Atkinson accepted the head volleyball coaching position at Eastern Tennessee State University. Not Tennessee State, but Eastern Tennessee State, you know, ETSU in May. Uh, Brooks will take over a Vikings program. Uh, excuse me. Brooks took over the Vikings program that had gone, listen to this, 25 and 119 in the six seasons prior. And he turned them into winners, finishing 2021 with a 27 and six record. Then they went 26 and nine last year defeating top seed Shaw in four sets to win the CIAA tournament crown. Um, so uh, Delaware State, they were 24-7 and seven last year, won their first MEAC championship since 1986, uh, defeated Central, North Carolina Central, Howard, and Coppin State on the route. Uh, so uh, that is uh, – that is some good stuff. Uh, a quote from Delaware State Athletic Director Alicia Shields Gadston. Uh, well, excuse me. This is Brooks uh, sharing a statement where he thanked the athletic director and the entire search committee for their belief in him uh, to lead the Hornets volleyball program. From the, he says, from the moment I stepped on campus, 
I felt at home and I'm excited to get to work with such a talented group of student athletes to build champion volleyball players, champion scholars, and champion citizens. So again, that that's not bad. That's that's what you call up that's that's upgrading in the right direction, Drew. When you go from having a championship coach to finding and hiring a championship coach, uh, that's a win. That's a win. All right, let's take a short break. Come back. I got to talk about a few minutes about this Northwestern University football scandal and how it is eerily similar to a story involving an HBCU football program just a year prior. And I wonder if the media coverage or why the media coverage is so drastically different. We'll talk about that on the other side. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. We'll be back in just a moment. Supermarket sushi, really? No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Never not working. Never not working. Never, ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. Standard protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. The human voice has always connected audiences with experiences. Major brands all across America have trusted Kevers voice time and time again. Conversational. Powerhouse intelligent and sincere that's the voice you need for your creative marketing process k-e-a-v-e-r-s-v-o-i-c-e.com covers voice covers voice covers voice.com always on all the time this is the dean of the college of hbcu sports kenyatta cavill of dr cavill's inside the hbcu sports lab with mike washington and charles bishop Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard, as well as the upcoming week of HBCU sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watson and Charles Bishop. At Hampton Law, our primary goal is to provide non-traditional yet effective solutions and redefine the approach to client legal concerns. As your trusted legal advisor, we believe in sophisticated, personalized services that eliminate the confusion and complexity sometimes associated with legal matters. Our high standard for client care and concern, coupled with our extensive legal knowledge and skills, make Hampton Law a resource focused on the protection of the client's interest and overall goals. We value our clients and truly enjoy working with them. Visit thamptonlaw.com to conveniently schedule an appointment online. Tamika Hampton, Esquire, 1631 Rock Springs Road, Suite 336, Apopka, Florida, 407 407- 494-1471 thamptonlaw.com Majesty is a premium health and wellness tea line focused on bringing delicious yet healthy tea blends to the community. Filled with an abundance of vitamins and antioxidants, we work to blend teas with exotic spices and fruits 
to produce scrumptious and wholesome beverages. So check us out at MyMajesties.com. That's M-Y-M-A-J-E-S-T-E-A-S.com. My Majesties, an Urban Passport member. All right, welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Ryan and AD here. And uh, so, Drew, I don't know. Like I said, I know you've been busy, occupied, doing multiple things here. Um, Stop. What are you doing? Stop playing around. (laughs) I I did that on purpose. See, come on now. All right. Um, so, uh, I wanted to get into uh, this story. Obviously, SIC Media Day is coming up this week, so we're going to talk about that here in a moment. But, but I gotta, I gotta start this segment by talking about the recent allegations, uh, which were first reported by the Daily Northwestern, which is Northwestern and Evanston's only daily news source. This is a student-ran newspaper, right? Student News, I believe this is, you know. So uh, a report came out that former Northwestern University football players detailed hazing allegations after coach Pat Fitzgerald was suspended, and he was suspended initially for two weeks. Okay. Um, So they have went about getting – two particular players on the record who gave very detailed information. Um, The former Northwestern player told the Daily some of the hazing conduct investigated by the university. So the university did this whole investigation uh, in which it involved coerced sexual acts in which a second player confirmed the details. Now, that's one-on-one of journalism, Drew, right? When you get some information, you want to try to verify it with a second source, if possible. Uh, preferably three. But if you, can, if you can get a second, at least, you know, three's great. If you got to go with two, you got to go with two. Okay? Yes. Um, and so... It... All I'm gonna tell you is just if, if, if you can go search Northwestern Northwestern football, and you can see or hear and read the stuff. I read the article. This is some depraved, sick ish that was going on at Northwestern, it, 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 allegedly. Okay, and I say allegedly because the stuff being described nasty is nasty, nasty stuff, man. Come on. Um, but it's being denied, uh, uh, apparently, via a letter by the players of Northwestern. Now, that's that. Let me go back for a second. The allegations and the and the statements made by the two particular players, um, 
say that they believe that the players, A, that the coach, Pat Fitzgerald, was aware of the hazing. And then even there's a there's a belief that I, I'm just going to call it as it is, that he ordered the code red. Those of you who watch A Few Good Men, who remember A Few Good Men, that he, he endorsed have, it. Let's say he endorsed it. Well, he may have ordered a code red because there is there's a there's a there's a thing that that is that is brought up in this article that players do when a freshman should get run. I mean, they got these this nasty names for this stuff, dog. This you know, run somebody really. But anyway, um, they have this gesture that they make when it's time for somebody to get assaulted pretty much and they say that this is a gesture that Fitzgerald has made on the sidelines in games especially when a player has not performed well or made a mistake so I mean it's like wait a minute are are you alleging and I'm reading this article Drew and I'm like wait a minute are you alleging that the coach is giving a signal like hey that guy got that guy is he he's he's supposed to get run. Some, are you saying that he or the code red? I, I want to see I I alive get somebody to illustrate this and say, wait a minute, no proof. If you're alleging that code red, what does that look like? There's evidence of this. Um, all that said, the or, or Check your bike. Check your bike, Brian. I have I got background no, noise. I can barely hear you. Yeah, there might be some background noise going on outside. I don't know. Okay. Sounds like sounds a little better now. Yeah, I didn't do anything, so <laughs> it's it's the internet, Drew. I mean, what are we gonna do? Um, okay, so anyway, but there's current players that submitted a letter, uh, essentially denying the accusations. Now, the one the one problem I have with that, if you think back to the beginning of last season when Florida A and M University players uh, issued their letter to Dr. Larry Robinson, right? a letter in which they detailed some of their issues and concerns with compliance, so on and so forth. Every single player signed that letter. You recall that? Yes. So that to me is the show of support in saying that, yes, we're not just randomly putting our names behind this. No, I'm actually signing this letter because I firmly believe what's in this letter. So I keep asking and I keep looking, where are the Northwestern player signatures? If they deny this so much, where are the signatures? Nobody has produced a sheet that has players signing it. So anyway, uh, all this coming up brings me back to a case that happened in 2021 surrounding 
Norfolk State University, in which, um, let me see, and I'm reading, this is the story from out of, uh, this is from June 3rd, 2022 on HBCU Sports. Title, second Norfolk State football player files lawsuit against school, claims being sexually assaulted. Okay. Um, Another Norfolk State player has alleged the school ignored complaints that he was subject to hazing and sexually assaulted by members of the team. The unidentified player filed a lawsuit Wednesday in Norfolk against NSU and others associated with the university. The lawsuit alleged an upperclassman attempted, attempted to rape him, according to court documents. The incident, the lawsuit said, reported reportedly occurred before another player uh, who did put his name out there, his name was Sean Fahey, he made similar allegations. The lawsuit indicated that current head coach Dawson Odoms was notified of the incidents. The allegations also involved players being allowed to grab other players' genitals in front of coaches and video footage existing of upperclassmen dry-humping their younger teammates. Drew, that's the same stuff that went on or is alleged to have been going on at Northwestern. So in the lawsuit, one of the lawyers for both the unnamed player and Fahey, Diane Toscano, said at the time that there are coaches on the current staff that knew of the problems because the incidents happened right under their nose. NSU leaders must be questioned about what they did to ensure the safety of student athletes, and they must be held accountable. As evidence shows, there were coaches on the current staff that were aware they inherited these problems from the previous staff. Sounds familiar. Uh, yeah, Norfolk State did issue a statement at the time saying that Norfolk State cares about the safety and well-being of every student, athlete, faculty, and staff member. We have a culture of care at the institution, and we work diligently to address the needs of our community. The school said it had hired an independent consulting firm to investigate Title IX allegations that involve harassment, sexual misconduct, and assault. Uh, Fahey and the unidentified player were on the 2021 roster, but have since left the university. So again, the incident allegedly would have happened in 21. The lawsuit happened in 22. And again, Drew, I did a little research. Uh, an out-of-court settlement was reached at the end of December 2022 uh, for these players. But at no time do I recall there being any suspensions for Dawson Odoms. And I'll, I'll be honest, Drew, I remember we talked about this. You recall us talking about this? Yes. And I think we may have been one of the few or only shows that I recall, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but in my recollection, that actually talked about it. Um, and so I'm saddened to hear this story about Northwestern, but I'm also curious to say this 
did Norfolk State catch a break? Did we or did media give Norfolk State a pass? Why wasn't uh, with, with the first, and, and I and I'm going to say this because there's a lot of money floating around Northwestern University. They are a Big Ten school, Power Five school, so they draw more eyes and more headline. But does that devalue the situation? It should not. Whether it happened at an HBCU or whether it happened at a Big Ten school, sounds like the same ish was going on. So my instant thought is where where did we fail? Did we fail? I mean, obviously there's a lawsuit that was settled, but this didn't get investigated to any extent that this Northwestern thing is getting investigated right now. So I, I just wanted to bring all this up and remind us as you're I'm I'm interested in this because I always want to see where we're not doing things that we should have been doing as journalists, as media members. And so that that's all I wanted to bring this out and bring it up. And I don't know. Do you, you have any thoughts on this or is this just me, my, my rant segment here? A uh, couple of thoughts, Brian. Double one. If take that same story, both those stories, insert remove football team, insert okay. panhill organization, Greek organization. Where do these stories wind up? If this was a fraternity or sorority on either one of these campuses they would be suspended off of campus effective immediately. Yeah. But you can't do that with the football team. Why? A lot of money involved. A lot of money. A lot of money. That's your cash cow. Yes. That is your cash cow. Number two, you talk about it it not getting the traction at Norfolk and getting the traction at Northwestern. Right. What is one of the things that Northwestern is famous for? Which school? Say that part again. Which is one of the schools that Northwestern is famous for? The school of what? Oh, oh, yeah. The school of school of journalism, communications, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So if anybody knew how to get this story out and to get it. Investigate it properly and to get it to get some legs. You're talking one of the best schools in the nation at journalism, right? This mm-hmm. is a perfect case of they created a monster as far as the journalists. And I'm not saying that in a negative sense. You know, so you had one of the top journalism schools doing an investigative reporting. <laughs> Somebody was paying attention to class, Brian. Someone was paying attention in class and was able to put those skills together or the, the group of individuals who put the put their skills together to it get was a group. Out, yep. get it to get it to the right people so that this thing gained traction. 
that did not happen, in my opinion, in the Norfolk State case. We may have been, it was reported by some someone there locally. We have been, may have been one of the few people, like you said, Brian, to actually pick up this story and to talk about it. And there were, remember, there was a debate amongst us here at the Black Collar Sports Network about how much traction do we give this because it is shedding such a negative light on one of our HBCUs. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, you walk the fine line between getting a story out because you have to, but you don't want to make our HBCUs look bad because to the non-HBCU media, uh, the the words over there effing up again. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. So with our stories, we have to tread a little bit more like you know more lightly and i'll take this back to, to another uh one and we this is one that we broke here on through the black college sports network you remember the the florida memorial incident that we broke during COVID, mm-hmm. and, and the results of that and you you remember the debates that we had internally about what we put out, what we don't put out. And, and these are the bases you have anyway because you have to protect your sources because that certain information, if even though you got it from a credible source, if you don't get it, if you can't verify it by two or three people, you, you literally single out that person, even though you don't call them by name, by putting that piece of information out because it the people on the other end who read it know that that information only came from one person could have come from one person so you know but remember the debate and how long we sat on that before we put it out and we put it out fairly quickly but we we did it we wrote it we sat on it a couple of days we went back and looked at it again or we tell the story or we tell from both sides have we gave the other side time to comment on these allegations and this is the information that we need do you have a rebuttal before we before we put this out so we we know how tough this is from a journalism point of view brian so um you know and, and going back to our monica we don't want to be first we want to be right and in this case not only were we in that case not only were we first but we were right with it so you know it, it, it it's tough there's a fine line we have to walk as giving respect to our fellow brothers and sisters and i mean brothers and sisters when i say that but by that distraction are you are you are 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 you doing a disservice to the people who are affected by it, the victims, I, the alleged exactly. victims of exactly. these things? And, 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 and it is tough. And when, even when you get that out for the victims, are they living this again? Are they going through the trauma of this experience again? 
by seeing it in the headlines and doing this in the headlines and being persecuted because no matter how right they were as much as far as the victim goes somebody is going to attack the victim it's just what we do brian it's just what people do as a society sure, and they have to go through that trauma of, of the thing of, of of it all again so very fine line i feel sorry for the people who are the alleged victims in, in this i also feel sorry for the people who are the alleged uh perpetrators of this is of this thing because that's so sick as Anyway, well, I I don't have any sympathy. You if know, they what, actually, happened to, what, happened, what happened to making the freshman carry the bags, Brian? What happened? Uh, what happened well, to the freshman having to get up and sing a song at the cafeteria as part of their uh, freshman initiation? What happened yeah. to simple haze and stuff? No, we don't have to get physical with this. Why do you think sororities and fraternities? Have, and I'm supposed to be your brother. You they're, just they're you bullies. Just, you you just played with. You just tried. You just tried to touch my gym. But I'm supposed to block for you to oh, oh Saturday. Oops. See, I, I, I got a play with I, I got a problem. I got a problem. I'm, I'm standing up for the bullies of a locker room. And but but what's more disappointing and what should be, you talk about having and I don't know if you're saying you're having empathy for the alleged people in this situation. How about all the people who stood around and let it happen and didn't say anything or do anything to stop it? Because there are more of them than the people who actually allegedly committed the acts or the people who were subject to the acts. There were more bystanders than anything. And those are the people who are, I, I would be just as, and look, we as educators, we are teachers. And if anything- We mandatory reporters, Brian. We have to report and protect those who cannot protect themselves. So if you're in a locker room and you are watching this happen and at one point you may say, hey, hey, that's funny. But then all of a sudden, I would pray that your senses would kick in and you would say, you know what? This is wrong. We can't do this. And so to me, that might be the bigger story because they're going to be bullies. They're going to be victims. They're going to be attackers. And we, we would like to be in a perfect world that that doesn't exist. But the reality is that that happens. The question is whether in the middle or midst of the attack or to prevent the attack from happening again, who is standing up for the victims? So whether it be this Norfolk State case that happened or whether it be this current case at Northwestern University, People, multiple people, several people have failed in this process, in my opinion. And I think so when we talk about where do we stand on a fine line as we, you know, ideally, I know we don't want to bring negative press to HBCUs. I know that. But when, when something like this happens, we're being complicit by not talking about it, I think by just sort of headlining it and sweeping it under the rug, I think we're being complicit to some degree. Now, some of y'all may disagree with hey, me hey. to that effect. 
Go ahead. Go ahead. What are you going to? Well, no, I'm just saying. Finish your thought. Yeah, people may disagree with me to that effect. But you know what? I would rather stamp out uh, whether it be the cancer, the virus, the negative stuff to make sure it doesn't happen. If it happened at one institution, I would rather talk about it, call it out to make sure it doesn't happen at 53 other programs in HBCU football. Here's the thing, Brian. No one wants to be the rat. No one wants to be the one. I don't give a, don't give a damn about being the rat. I don't give a damn. That's a, that's a, that's a, that, that's a prison. But, but, that, but that's right there. That, the that, that's a mentality, Brian. No, that's that, prison. That's the mentality. We got to get out of that. We got to get out of that, Drew. Come on. We got to get out of that. That's the mentality. That's, we that's, have to get out of that's that. the mentality that people have. I don't want to be the one to tell you. To tell we got to get out of that. But I'm going to tell you what I used to I, and, and, and I, I made this that. perfectly clear uh, to, to, to a lot of players, a lot of teams that I told. I have your back as a coach. I have your back until I cannot any longer have your back. Do not put me in a position where I have to choose to, whether I need to protect you or uh, or uh, tell something. That means do the right thing. Keep your, keep you your right job, thing, keep food on the table for your family. Yeah. If 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 you do if you, if you do something wrong with the right intentions, I can support you. Because because that happens. You had the right intentions, but it, it it was a wrong decision. I I could go with that. In this case, this was not the right intentions or the right decision. And when it comes down to you, and I will sell you out to support my lifestyle because I have a family. And you and your family cannot support my lifestyle to the level that I want to live. So do the right thing. Well, I don't, well, I'm not put in that position and everything is good. When you do something wrong, let me know. I can get out in front of it. But in this case, there is no getting out in front of this. You was ass wrong when you did it. No pun intended. And you are still wrong. And if you knew about this and didn't say anything, you just as wrong as the ones who did it. Okay. All right. Um, I, I want to close this segment. Just I'm gonna. I found the actual case result from the Toscano Law Group that represented the Norfolk State players at the time. Um, they say this is the Toscano Law Group stating that quote the players who joined the team in 2021 claimed they were repeatedly hazed and sexually assaulted by upperclassmen on the football team and that complaints about the behavior were ignored by coaches and staff. Unfortunately, it took us filing a lawsuit in federal court in order to get a resolution, but we were humbled to represent these two courageous young men and their pursuit of justice against Norfolk State University for behavior they endured as college football players. Thankfully, our clients are resilient young men and we are very hopeful about the future. Um, to raise awareness to a larger problem of sexual assault and hazing in American football, uh, Toscano 
announced the founding of a 501c3 nonprofit organization called Goal Line Stand Together. Uh, GoalLineStandTogether.org. So I'm I, I'm going to do more than what I did previously, which is follow up and kind of find out where they are in this process. And, and I and I you know I think even for more even for my own benefit. I'd, I'd love to see if we can get an interview with uh, with uh, Diane Toscano, who is the who is the lead lawyer in this, and just sort of find out how one these two young men are doing, and if this current Northwestern case brings to light some things that were overlooked, missed, uh, not only by the university but by journalists as well. So we'll, we'll kind of keep you guys abreast of that. Well, one thing related but not related to that, Brian, Ray, Raekwon Smith, former North, North, Norfolk State athlete who committed earlier this year to Elizabeth City back at Bay, has committed to Virginia State. He, he, he decommitted from Elizabeth City and it has side with Virginia State. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So he, he and I'll uh, bring it up because I know he was he was uh, king of NIL and was around uh, Norfolk State during the time of all that stuff. So I just thought that would be interesting to bring that up to lady. He said that and, and he. Uh, he left the team after twenty one. He left the team after twenty one twenty one, if I recall correctly, uh, to concentrate just on track. So yeah. I, I don't. Uh, I would not be. I'm, I'm just. I'm just speculating here. I would not be surprised if there's any. If there aren't some coincidences with with that, just just. I'm shooting in the dark. Could be totally wrong, but. That's just me. That's what I do sometimes. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's let's conclude the show here by quickly kind of mentioning the SIC football media day, which is coming up. All right. Um, that's going to take place at the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta, Georgia on Wednesday. Now, the day before the SIC Hall of Fame class of 2023 is going to be announced or more so recognized as they are already announced. And just so you know, the honorees for that class of 23, you have uh, the 1993 SIC women's track and field champions from Alabama A&M. So the, the entire women's track and field team will be not, will be honored at that ceremony. Uh, you also have, Administrator Dr. Ernest McNeely of Allen University and Stillman College. You have contributor Calvin, and I hope I'm saying his last name right. I might not be. Uh, Smyre or Smyre, S-M-Y-R-E. He of Fort Valley State University. You have uh, in the coach and athletic director category, Arthur McAfee Jr. of Morehouse College. 
Uh, then you have some student athletes, uh, another track and field student athlete. This is one individual instead of the whole team would be Jeffrey Henderson of Stillman College. And then a pair of football players. You have uh, Alex Percival of Morehouse College and Drayton Florence of Tuskegee University. So those seven individuals or seven groups will all be recognized at the Hall of Fame ceremony on Tuesday night. That's tomorrow, right? Um, no, I'm sorry. I got that all backwards. Okay. So, oh, this is going to be a cluster. Anyway, okay. So apparently how this is going to go, yeah, you know how this is going to work out, Drew. So that's why I said what I just said. The itinerary, I'm looking at it here. Now, I, I'm assuming this is still what's happening. The media day will be from 8.30 to 11. And then from 11 to 1 is when they do the Hall of Fame ceremony. Uh, so you've got 13 institutions. And, Drew, we have seen how hard it is for media to have any kind of worthwhile conversations nothing like what we do at swack media day now swack media day is totally different i love the way swack media goes it could be it could be better but i i still love it take a conference with 13 people drew and then give everybody an hour to talk to the media that's floating around that's gonna be fun um too bad i won't be there to witness it uh anyway so <laughs> Leave that one alone, Brian. Leave it I'm, alone. I'm going to leave it alone because I was about to say some stuff, but I'm going to leave it alone. I'm not going to do leave it. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. I, I, I am. I am. Um, but anyway, there's a list of names and individuals that will be in attendance. Uh, I, I think some of the names that I'm very interested in uh, that you see coming back, you have Allen University's David Wright, quarterback. Um That'll be interesting to see as he may be the top returning quarterback in the conference. Uh, Benedict's Lubert Danellis, defensive player of the year, should be. Should be the preseason defensive player of the year. If Danellis Lubert is not the defensive player of the year, Drew, somebody should be screaming and pounding on the table at that SIAC football media day. Of course, he of uh, Benedict, you know, uh, let's see. Who else do we have? I'm um, just kind of going through names. Don't sleep on Deshaun Hugey of Edward Waters University. Uh, Hugey, a running back for uh, Toriano Morgan. I've uh, been watching him since he was a freshman. I think and this is how many years eligibility that brother got, man. Uh, you know what? I think this is actually his senior year. Is this but his it, true senior or his COVID senior? His true senior, true senior, which means he's got a COVID year still left. Wow. Yes. So, yeah, I think he is somebody to watch out for. Um, just kind of going through some other names that kind of pop off the page for me. But, uh, look, this year, obviously, it's the wide-open format. You know, there's no divisions. Who are the teams? G give me, give me, give me, let, let's, let's do this. The, the five teams who... Who, who are probably in the hunt for the title are who, in your opinion? Fort Valley has to be 
we, we can say what we want to about Benedict. I agree. Fort Valley. I think Fort Strong Valley is Fort Valley. Except for the fact that Benedict is the defending champion, Fort Valley would probably be the number one team coming out to be. Fort Valley should have been in the tournament last year, but mm-hmm. they were unfairly denied. Eight and two record last year, five and two in conference. Yes. Only losses, uh, I believe, were to Benedict and Albany State, I think, right? No, I thought they defeated Albany State. They lost to Savannah uh, State. They lost to Savannah State. Yes, correct. They lost to Savannah State. Yep, they did. That hurt them. That's the game that actually might have cost them. That cost them because had they won that game, they would have they turned around and beat Albany State the next week. They probably would have got in with a nine and one record and their only loss being to Benedict. I'm gonna tell you what else uh did not help Fort Valley. The fact that they beat Tuskegee, who lost to Benedict in the SIC championship game, and the fact that Tuskegee was blown out by Benedict in the SIAC championship game. Mm. Okay. That did not make that win against Tuskegee stand out. Look as impressful as it would have had that been a competitive Tuskegee uh, championship game. That devalued that win. So I'm I'm right there with you. We both have Fort Valley in our top five. We both got Benedict in our top five. Who who else is in your top five teams to? pay attention to in the uh, SIC that going to have a shot at the title or should say shot at the Uh, title game. Well, you, you've got to, you've got to put, uh, got to put Tuskegee in there. Tuskegee is Tuskegee. If Tuskegee is not in the race, then it's not SIAC. (laughs) I mean, unless we real, they've, they've got 29 or no, they've got 32, SIC championships. So SIC has been even, around even with new head around? coach Aaron James. New head coach Aaron James. You don't think there might be some coaching hurdles for him? Quarterback is back. Who he was his quarterback coach last year and offensive coordinator. So you've got that consistency. Tuskegee does have a okay. returning quarterback, and that's okay. what that's what you, that's what you have to look at. Uh, how many? Uh, who has a returning uh, quarterback? Uh, Lane, the most mm. underachieving team, underachieving team. I don't know how that just came out, but it just didn't sound right coming out of my mouth. Most <laughs> underachieving <laughs> team in the SIAC last year. So much was expected out of Lane, especially with their victory over Tennessee State but they just could not get over the hump in the conference schedule. Mm-hmm. So is that – that's four? I, I And I'm with you so far on all four. Let's see if we can find one that's different. I don't – anybody that's different? Who's your fifth? Let's see if we're different. I, I, okay. We, we Everybody's probably going to take Albany State as the, as the, as the next team, as that fifth team. <laughs> Even with uh, new head coach uh, Quinn Gray, uh, new, new quarterback or new, or new system for the quarterback, I'm not sure if uh, the quarter 
quarterback is back at Albany State. I can't remember off the top of my head. But so we agree. Albany State is is number five on, on our, both of our lists, right? Probably, yeah. <laughs> Seriously, oh, I'd say okay. yeah. Okay. So uh that's the let me let me give you two teams to watch. Who, okay. Because somebody on that list is not going to. I, it's, it, it always works Let's that way, real. right? Yes, yes. Yes. Okay. Somebody's going to come from out the weeds, and we're going to see what, what's what. <laughs> Two teams to watch. And you you mentioned water. Ever Waters with Deshaun Hughes. Toriano Morgan going into his third season at Edward Waters, you know, Dave, they lost how many games by in the, in the fourth quarter, Brian? I think With we like said three. The last two, the last two, three, the last two possessions of the game last year. I could, I know at least three that they lost like that. Right. So that means they are right there. Let me, let me, pro- let me pause. Before you give your second, to go ahead and finish your point. So before you give your second team, I want to make a comment about Edward Waters. Go ahead. I'm sorry, I lost you. Uh, you buffered for a second. I don't know if you. Yeah, but I, I was saying before, before, before you go to your second team, finish your comment about Edward Waters. I said they, 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 uh, you know, they, they, they were right there on uh, losing games down the stretch. And I'm trying to, I'm it was, trying to it pull was, up the it, schedule from last year. Um, I, I can pull it up here. I, I got it. They I, 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 So they lost to Clark by five points. At the, at, they, at lost, the they lost to Savannah State by three. Um. Oh, that and that and they they lost the the Florida Memorial game at the beginning of the year by five. Those, those were the only uh, those were those lame, three games. Yeah, those three games to open the season. They 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 lost their first four games in a row, but those first three they lost within a possession, uh, one one score, one score, a field goal, and a couple of touchdowns. And, and, and Brian, they won the last four games of the season. They did. They, they had. They had momentum coming down the stretch, Brian. But but I will say, Drew, the schedule last year is nothing compared to the schedule this year. That schedule last year, yes, they could have finished well above 500 with that schedule last year. Listen to the schedule that they start with this year. After Florida Memorial, they get into conference play with Benedict at home, at Fort Valley State on the road. Those are the first two conference games. So tough. That's tough. I mean, look, that's the that's two favorites right there. Okay. Then later on in October, they've got a three-week stretch where they are home to Lane at Tuskegee and home versus Albany State. And then have to travel to their rival, Allen University. So, but I'm just talking that three-game stretch in October. So, even if you come out of those first two conference games two and zero, oh, or I mean one and one, two and two, can that you, can you come out? Well, I was, 
no, no. I was saying the first, the first, that first two conference games. You're you're saying if they don't go zero and two, they're they're you know one and one would be great. Two and zero would be you're on cloud nine, right? But that stretch in October is the stretch that's going to, uh, you know, and, and this is the thing about the the group schedule, Drew. What we'll have to do with our matrix that we have is we'll have to look and say who's got the tougher schedule, and I think between those half the schedule. Our top five that we just talked about, Edward Water plays the top five teams that we just talked about. They play them all. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, look, Edward Waters, you know, going five and zero or four and one, they're they're going to be playing for a for a conference title. But if it's two and two, two and three, one and four, you know, be, be another five hundred season. Right. Who's your other and- team? Who's your other team? Allen. Mm, okay. Allen probably has the second best quarterback in the conference. Probably the best quarterback in the conference, not named Kelvin Durham. That being David Wright. <laughs> okay. So uh looking back at Wright's uh Stats from last year. I mean, he he averaged he averaged three hundred and seventy three yards per game last year, Brian. So uh, now Allen's SIC schedule is not nearly as tough as Edward Waters. Um, yes, they play Fort Valley. Yes, they play Albany State, and yes, they play Benedict. But that's three. You know, they've got games in there against Kentucky State, Central State, Clark, Miles, hell, even Edward Waters. I mean, that, Check. to me, Check. much more favorable schedule for Allen. Which is why I say put Allen in there with probably possibly the second-best quarterback in the conference. Right? Uh, only played in five games last year due to injuries, and he averaged 210 yards per game last year. In, in, in addition to his pa- passing prowess, you know, he add, add another 10 yards a game on the ground. You know, that's that's a pretty tough uh, – that's a, that's a pretty uh, good schedule right there. I mean, good stats right there, Brian. Yes, I, I agree with you. I agree. And looks like the, the top running back is also back in Bo Harrington. Bo Harrington last year just on the game. He he rushed for uh and, and, and these stats are a little bit off, but he rushed for over hundred yards per game, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's those two right there may be the the next best duo in the conf- in the conference behind Kelvin Durrell and Kentrell Williams of Fort Valley State. I'm looking for some big things from Allen. They, okay. they will that will possibly be the team that knocks one of those five that we just mentioned. All right. All right. Well, in uh in some form of capacity, the Black College Sports Network will be covering the SIEC football media day. Uh, just unfortunately don't know how. Don't know where 
don't know <laughs> how that's all going to work out, but uh, make sure you are locked in and you are following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm sure we'll make an announcement somehow, some way on one of those, or if not all three of those outlets. Uh, of course, make sure to follow Drew on Twitter at BCSN Drew is where you can find him. And of course, I mean, because we've got several schools that we are partnered with in the SIC. So we, we want to definitely be there to cover them. And I'm also hearing that there will be a big announcement being made on Wednesday regarding, uh, let's say, maybe some increased media coverage of SIC football for this upcoming season. We already got a new show focused in, uh, but uh, there's going to be even some increased coverage uh, on a big-time level for the SIC. So uh, we'll, we'll kind of keep our ear to the ground, and we'll release that information when it becomes official, official. But uh, that's going to uh, that's gonna do it for our show. Drew, any, any final thoughts you want to add before we get out of here? No, we did not get into the classic uh, talk that we were going to do. We'll save that for next week. We'll save our SIAC predictions for Wednesday. But I do have one one question about the classic, Brian. Go ahead. Is it a true classic when you play at HWCU? Think on that. Mm. That's just interesting. I thought I'm you looking were at the list of classics that you sent me. Mm-hmm. And there is, I see one classic where an HBCU plays and HWCU. I don't even know if where, where this game is located at. I don't know if it's at a neutral site or at the HBCU site. But I just noticed that it was against a non- HBCU and it's not homecoming. Matter of fact, I see two of them. I see two classes. Well, this th- it, given the fact classes. that some, given the fact that we have some HBCUs in uh, predominantly white conferences, Drew. I mean, that's liable to happen, Brian. Two of these three, two of these three are in HBCU conference. Uh-oh. Well, there goes that right there. You don't want to call them out just yet, do you? I can. It's up to I'm you. curious. Who, 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 before you say, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Say who. What games are you referring to? Okay. All right. This year's John Merritt Classic Oh yeah. Tennessee okay. State and Garner Red. All right. All right. Well. That is on that is on the sixteenth. And, 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 and Brian, now that I look at it, all three of these occur on the same day. The third weekend in September, the sixteenth. Well, Tennessee State's Did already lost the John Merritt Classic to a Division II school, uh, which was so lame last lose year. To so a, a look, if you lose to a non HBCU, par for the course. Just pop. Losing your losing right. your own classic. On that same day, the Battle of Greater 
Baltimore features Morgan State and Towson. Yeah. Okay. I, I could see that one. That one is a that is a in inner city matchup. So I, I get that one. Okay. I get that one. That one is a little and more acceptable. I don't know. I, and, and, and I'm curious as to where that one is played, uh, whether that's at Morgan State or at Towson. I, I don't know off the top of my head. You can look that up while I get this last class. But it should I be played at Raven know. Stadium. Where it should be played. It should be played at Raven it Stadium. Should that's where, that's I can go for that. I can go for that. I can go for that, and that's the classic. All right, and this last one is the one that really intrigues me, Brian. The Delta Classic, Valley and Delta State. D1 versus D2. Ooh. Which are literally next door neighbors. You know, it's been rumored for years that Delta State to absorb Valley. Should be the other way. So it should be the other way around, shouldn't it? But it it won't. But it won't. (laughs) But let's take this one step further, Brian. Do you know that the FCS is traveling to the D2 school for this Delta Classic? Yeah, because didn't last year Delta State travel to Valley last year? Brian, when do you play home at home with a D2? When it's when it's when it's when it's when it's Delta State in your Valley? which shows you the value of the Valley program compared to Delta State. Because very rarely do you travel, do you see a D2 get to host a D1? Maybe in a two-for-one. Maybe at best in a two-for-one, but not a, not a straight home-and-home home series. Hmm. All right. Interesting. I, I thought when you started the question, I thought you were All three referring- of these on the 16th. I thought you were more so talking about is a classic, a classic when it's a non-neutral site versus a home game classic. So that that's another debate. I feel like that's an annual debate that we have, right? Is it really a classic if it's not at a neutral site? So Otherwise, Turkey it's Day would never be considered a classic. Game. The Turkey Day classic would never be considered a classic under that d- definition. If it's a classic, that, that has to classic. be. Hold on. That, it, definition that one a of a classic. Is there a trophy? If there is no trophy that is given out at the end of the game, A, you cannot have a classic. That should be rule number one. I somebody has one. to inv- I somebody that. has to invest in a trophy and a most valuable player, outstanding player, whatever. You know what I'm saying? You have to have that. That's that's rule that. number one for me. So I would I would take that over. I'm not going to get into it with the home stuff because, you know, I it is what it is. So, but I know there are some people out there who have that debate. So maybe that should be what we do when we look at our top five next week. So the Eagle Classic classic. would be a classic because it's a home at home. If you use the home debate. Yes. But is that really a classic or is that just a rivalry game? Is there, I got to ask Jamie Walker. Oh, is that's a rivalry game branded as a classic. Right, right. See, that's why I'm wondering: is there a trophy that does somebody go home with a, with a, with a, with a some kind of trophy thing? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All right. 
that's it for for this show, right, Drew? I think we can I think we can put it put it to bed and uh thank everybody for for watching. Uh you can always leave a donation to the show right there via our Cash app. Uh if you're watching us on YouTube, you can hit the super chat button and and super tip. You can leave a a, a donation there as well. Uh, make sure you're following the Black College Sports Network on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MyBCSN1. You can also find the Sports Wrap on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap. Follow me on Twitter at DRB365. I'm sorry? I, I said you hear about my, my computer going off, all the emails coming through all of a sudden now. <laughs> but, people people are I know people are awake. So uh, find me on Twitter at DRB365. Find Drew on Twitter at BCSN Drew. Uh, download the Jericho Broadcast Networks app on the Google Play and Apple App Store. Just search my JBM, my BCSN. And hey, if you would, download the BCSN Pod Zone as well. Everywhere you listen and download the podcast, uh, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google and Apple Podcasts iHeartRadio, and more. Download BCSN PodZone. Listen to all the shows on the network. Uh, Tuesday night, you can catch uh, Dr. Gaville's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. And then uh, that is 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central. And then Wednesday night, you'll get the ONG Strike Zone, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central. All right, that's going to do it for AD Drew. I'm Brian Fulford. Thanks for watching, listening, however you are, consuming the BCSN Sports Wrap. And we will work our damnedest to be on our normal time, Sunday night, 6 p.m., uh, 5 p.m. Central. But if not, you'll catch us on Monday as you are today. Thank you for watching and consuming. You guys be good. Take care. God bless. Peace out. Drop a like. We'll holler. But you know, you stay on hard.